Elon Musk says he's made a thousand changes from the last Starship test launch that didn't quite go as expected in April to the next Starship that is supposed to fly hopefully as soon as this August. And two of those little changes uh, are kind of a very big deal. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott, and this is Right Angle, in which we once again go on a total nerd fest about space stuff. Because that's what we do. Uh, here's the, uh, the the money quote from a, uh, one of those Twitter spaces, I guess, that uh, Musk did over the weekend. He said there are really a tremendous number of changes between the last Starship flight and this one, talking about the test flight in August. Well over a 1,000, he said. So I think the probability of this next flight working, getting to orbit, is much higher than the last one. Maybe it's like 60%. It depends on how well we do at stage separation. Now, I'm going to get to the stage separation in just a moment because that part's really cool. But before we get to that, I have to talk about the giant shower head. I'm not kidding. Uh, if you saw the original test launch, you know that uh, some of those engines uh, probably got knocked out by flying debris because those 33 engines generated so much thrust, 15 yeah. million blew pounds the pad worth. Apart. Yeah, it blew the pad apart. All of this steel-reinforced concrete just smashed. Debris flew for thousands of feet. Um, uh, Scott, I'm going to go to you on this one, I think. So they're rebuilding a newer, tougher, stronger launch pad that uh, isn't just made out of even more reinforced uh, concrete, but it's also got steel plates and it has showerhead type vents that water is going to spray up out of to keep things cool. Now, it turns out they already do something like this on a, on a smaller scale for the Falcon 9, but it's not to keep the launch pad cool. It's to reduce the uh, the, the acoustics. Sound. Yeah, so it's not so damaging hearing and wildlife and all that stuff. In this case, it's going to be spraying huge amounts of water up to help prevent blast damage. And Musk said that hindsight's twenty twenty and all that, but uh, we we learned from the first example. Do you, do you want to see him test this before the launch and see see if you could get like a, a giant car wash for for the Starship? <laughs> you know, there's just something um, endearing about asking somebody, "Hey, uh, hey, how did your rocket launch go? We blew the pad apart." <laughs> and, it's a high class problem. Yes. At which point, at which point there has to and be, the rocket left. It's not like it came back. That's right. Blew the pad apart. At which point there has to be a self satisfied smile. Uh, you know, if, <laughs> well, it went okay. It's just too uh, powerful. We blew it's the just too uh, powerful. <laughs> I mean, isn't that every boy's dream to make a rocket so powerful that it explodes the Earth underneath it? <laughs> Yes, it is. And That's by boy, awesome. I mean well, you mean a fifty-four-year-old uh, internet yeah. video host, right? Yeah. Well, I, and I think the interesting thing about this, when to hear if he's not being, um, what is that, hyperbolic, and if he's literally saying there were a thousand changes or some number like a thousand um, since the last launch. Typically, the way one does uh, advances in engineering or science or things like that is by controlling, and and you, you make a little bit of a change, and you don't change incrementalism. You don't change everything at once because then it becomes hard to figure out what was effective and what wasn't, and and if it's something is ineffective, you know what caused it. If it has a worse explosion this time than it did last time, well, which of the thousand changes that we made 
uh, uh, contributed to that. Now, I know they have incredible monitoring and diagnostic systems these days that, that we didn't have previously when we were, you know, working on our uh, six-cylinder Ford motors back in the 1960s or something. But I just think it's, it's incredible to think of a pace of innovation like that to say, you know, basically it's, it sounds almost like he said, okay, well, that was a, that was a good version of Starship. Uh, it got somewhere that we wanted to go, but not nearly far enough. I'll tell you what, why don't you just rip that up and make a new one? I mean, that's almost what it sounds like he did. I mean, that's, that's substantial uh, transformation. Now, maybe a lot of those changes were just, you know, ma minor adjustments or slight alterations and stuff like that. Uh, but it just it just reinforces what we've said many times before is that the world needs characters like this to push innovation forward. And it needs people who are willing to look at an explosion in the sky and say, okay, that was a good try. Now let's do a whole bunch more new things and see if we can make it go further this time. Yeah. And in terms of further, uh, Bill, this next bit is, is such a huge deal. Uh, I just, I missed the spaces on, on Saturday. I didn't even know it was, it was going on. So when I read the write-up at Ars Technica on Tuesday morning, I got so excited about this. So, uh, as you know, uh, uh, some of the Russian rockets have a, uh, have a hot second stage where the, the engines fire before the engines cut off on, on the first stage. And we, we don't do that in, in the United States. However, uh, Musk has added, uh, stainless steel plating to the the top of the first stage and those rockets this the, the excuse me the six motors on the second stage the actual starship flight vehicle are going to fire and hit that steel plate before all 33 engines on the first stage are cut off and the reason for that is if you cut off all the engines you'll lose some thrust you'll lose some velocity and so that second stage doesn't have quite as much oomph to get into orbit and Musk estimates that even with the extra steel plating on that first stage, he's going to be able to increase the 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 mass to orbit by ten percent. Wow! On that second stage, um, and it's already the most massive lift anybody's ever even dreamed of, much less tried to to launch yet. Uh, are you as blown away by this as I am? Yeah, um, I am, and. Um and the thing that people watching the show or listening to or, or watching Elon Musk and SpaceX need to realize is that this is that the the success of SpaceX is not a, something to do with it being rocket scientists and it's not even really anything to do with Elon Musk specifically it's that Elon Musk has the attitude that failure is how we learn things yeah. and and Elon yeah, yeah. Musk is in a hurry it's those two things he's not he doesn't have time to waste and secondly he understands that a that a failed launch will teach you more than a successful launch. That may seem um, uh, paradoxical, but it's absolutely true. If you have deadly bugs in a system and the system flies okay, but the bugs are still there, then they're just sitting there waiting to bite you at some point or another. The more things explode, the faster you find out what causes them to explode and the, and the quicker you can remedy these problems. I'm amazed that he's made uh, a thousand changes to the Starship, and I am astonished that he did it in a couple of months. Yeah. Let's not forget that the that the government uh, Senate launch uh, system that flew uh, the uh, 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 was it Artemis. Yeah, um, that was considered a successful launch, 
a successful launch. They probably made two changes and it won't fly again for two years. So, so for this guy to basically say, okay, so we blew our pad apart um, and we need to make a thousand changes to this vehicle and we will have those changes in place four months later. Hmm. This is why he's, this is not only why he's going to succeed, it's why he has succeeded. I've mentioned this from the beginning. This is a, this is a pretty decent um, uh, analogy of the difference between American culture and Soviet culture in a nutshell, because we would do all of our launches live and the Soviets would do all of their launches on pre-recorded. Public was nowhere near them. If the launch was successful, they'd release the footage, and if it wasn't, they wouldn't. But the most amazing thing about SpaceX is is not the technology. The most amazing thing about SpaceX is the video that they put on YouTube on how to crash a rocket. I mean, here's a company <laughs> showing four minutes of its failures, its consecutive failures, back to 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 back failures, and that's why he succeeds. And I'm, I'm reminded very much, we were talking on our backstage show that's made available for members only here at BillWhittle.com. We're talking about Michael Jordan and the most impressive TV commercial I've ever seen. The commercial changed my life, actually, was the commercial where Michael Jordan starts talking. I, I've been in 5,600 games where I missed the final throw. I've, I've, I've failed on the championship. Just a list of all of the times he failed. He says, I have failed and failed and failed, and that is why I succeed. And, and this attitude is the single great ingredient. And as I mentioned when I started this little rant, this is something that everybody can apply in their own lives. It's it's something that any company can apply to its own business. You don't have to be Elon Musk. You don't have to be SpaceX. It doesn't have to be rocket science. If you're willing to look at failures as a, as a um, not only as a learning opportunity, but as a learning requirement, then your attitude towards progress and what constitutes success will set you up for actual success. A thousand changes in four months, engineering changes, is un it's unbelievable. And and when Musk said it's gonna take 5,000 launches to get to Mars, I thought that's just, it's impossible. He wants to do one an hour, it's impossible. Well, no, uh, it's just impossible compared to what I've seen other people do. But when, when you've got this operational tempo, uh, one launch a week is a slow week for SpaceX. <laughs> They, they own the future right now. There's nobody else in the game, nobody. And as long as, as long as this attitude of failure is our friend and not something to be ashamed about, it's not something to, it's not something to try to accomplish. You don't want to feel good. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. Look, here's the thing. It's, it's really simple, right? It's, it's actually very, very simple. Fail as many times as you have to, but never make the same mistake twice. That's the golden rule. That's all it takes. And Steve, yeah. can I add something here? Please um, do. I think that Bill just highlighted something I think that's crucial to understand. SpaceX doesn't make rockets. SpaceX is going to Mars. And I think that that is the fundamental difference. It's not a company that, is, that is making hardware. It's a company that's going to Mars. And so whatever that takes, however many changes you have to make before the next time you launch that thing is what you do because you're not trying to protect some legacy that you have about building beautiful rockets. You're going to Mars and you're not even a, you know, a fraction of the way there yet. And so making a thousand changes at this early stage of the game is nothing when you think you're actually going to Mars. And Steve, I, I just want to add one more thing too, sorry. Um, when I was um, 
back when I was doing eject, 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 I got invited up to uh, Mojave for a company called X-Core, which is no longer with us. But they were paying their guys essentially next to nothing. And they had rocket engineers, a rocket company, and they had rocket engineers from, you know, from Boeing and Lockheed and all the rest of this stuff. And Jeff Grayson was the president of that company. And I said, Jeff, how do you, how do you keep these people, you know, on these salaries? I mean, they were saying, oh, I get to fill up my car since we're going to get paid this week. And, and Jeff said, because Jeff understands engineers, he said, the reason we've got these great people is because we will test a rocket chamber design in the morning. We'll get the data in the afternoon and we'll start rebuilding the next one that, that evening. Engineers want to build things. And most of these people had spent their entire careers doing CAD designs for pumps that were never built and were never going to fly anyway. And while money is nice, what these people really want is they want to put their ideas into action. And so if you're telling me that a company with such a young employee base is able to implement those many changes in, in four months, rather than having that depress the morale of the staff with an explosion, they're like, okay, let's figure it out. Let's figure what, let, here, here's how I can fix this, Elon, and I can fix that. And, and it's, just a, it's just an upward spiral and away you go. You know, uh, this morning when I was doing my research for this segment, I came across something I'd, I'd read before, but the, the number had slipped out of my brain like numbers tend to do, that the uh, the, the Falcon first stage, or excuse me, the uh, Starship first stage uh, produces 15 million pounds of thrust. Just just incredible. And that made me wonder, hey, I wonder what Saturn V did. So I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page on that, and it wasn't in the handy little statistics on the right-hand side with most of the other stuff, so I start scanning through. But the figure that did catch my eye on that that right-hand column on the Wikipedia page was the cost per launch for a Saturn V rocket to the moon. And in inflation-adjusted dollars, in in today's dollars, it's about $1.23 billion for a Saturn V launch. Now, the SLS, which is basically the, the modernized Saturn V that's supposed to get us to the moon, with help from Starship, uh, is over $4 billion for launch. And this is the result of being afraid to fail, where you've got essentially the same thing 50 years later at four times the price. Give me those big booms in the sky, Elon, right up until you don't. And we'll be here We'll be here watching them. That's your right angle on that, brought to you by the very nerdy, very ecstatic members of BillWhittle.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.